Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's Quizzy Deck. Give it a go. It's Quizzy Deck. Now don't you choke. It's Quizzy Deck. Who knows the most? It's Quizzy Deck. We're going to the go-go. Yes, Charlie wants to escape Geraldine. He wants to go over to the Gold Coast and potentially find a new place to get a new haircut because Harwitter didn't work out. Charlie, morning. You're up first, brother. <laughs> I'm up first. I told him put me fifth and make the last question easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't ask, don't get. Well, here we go, mate. Good luck. Come on, let me see if I can knock some down for the boys. Come on, let's go. Here we go. Which team sits atop? Of the ANZ Premiership. Five. Oh, four. Clue, please. Three. Clue. Don't stand there. Clue. Yeah, I'm just doing it. Yeah. Is that a horse? Five. Four. Three. Oh, that's tactics. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, the post. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> nah, nah. Sorry, Charlie, you're out. <laughs> Have a good day, mate. We're going to get an Uncle Brandon Huntley. Morning, Uncle. Morning, the brothers. Ooh, I actually drove past Huntley yesterday on my way back to Tomoki Makoto. It was guys like this every day. They stop for a haircut in Huntley, they, they do it with a nice and fork. Question number one Which team sits top of the ANZ Premiership? Central Pole. Yeah, nice. Nice, Brett. Question number two Which year did Nottingham Forest last compete in the EPL? Them on the news last night. Oh, I was about, oh, no, I don't know. I'll pull, Have a good day, Brett. Thank you. We're going to go to Mark from Tauranga. Marky. Sorry, lads. Yeah, we're good. Good to be in the studio, mate. How are you? Yeah, bloody good. Bloody yeah. I was actually talking yesterday, too. So, uh, no, it was good. Awesome, awesome. Question Which year did Nottingham Forest last compete in the EPL? 
Uh, I watched on the news. Um, I'm going to ask for a clue because I'm not quite sure. Great Prince song, this one. Great Prince song. 99. 99 is correct. Question number three. Who is currently last place in the F1 Constructors Championship? (laughs) It's not not Toyota. (laughs) Nah. Huh? I like I'm pretty good actually. Mm, no, it's not Haas. Sorry. I'm going to say what Uncle said after someone gets this, Kate. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Have a good day, brother. Thanks for calling in. Jade from Hamilton. Morena, Very, very well. Who is currently last place in the F1 Constructors Championship? It is Sunny Bill Toyota. <laughs> we were telling, we said to Kempi off air, who was it? He goes, give me a clue. And then <laughs> Louis goes, Sunny Bill, and he goes, Toyota. <laughs> Petrol station. I should have said Bentley. Oh, anyway, there's a laugh here. You're Bentley. Here we go. Question number four, Jake. Who is the current world's number one woman's tennis player? Oh, she's pretty swar. Pretty, what was that? Pretty swar. <laughs> she's pretty swar. It's a Taranaki saying. Uh, <laughs> I reckon it might be that uh, Australian Ash Barty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Ash Barty. She, she's retired, bro. Sorry, Jade. And look, to be honest, I wouldn't. I don't know where that clue's gone. So <laughs> maybe get Uncle to. Oh, to do something. Oh, it sounds terrible. Oh, man, Craig, don't be like that. Uh, Jade. No, Ed from Tolaga Bay. Morning, Ed. Morning. Yes. How are you, Ed? Good, thank you, bro. Just having a cup of tea listening to you, fella. Nice, nice. Not a a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm always the number one. (laughs) Straight skinny. That's the one. Here we go, mate. Question number four. Who is the current world's number one tennis player? Is it Inga Swiatek? Yeah. There you go, pretty sweet. Question number five: How many NBA championships have the Boston Celtics won? I don't know. Fourteen. <laughs> fourteen. <laughs> not far. <laughs> pretty close. No, not fourteen. Sorry, Ed. Have a good day. We're going to go to Tim in Christchurch. Morning, Tim. How are you? Yes, good to meet. How many NBA championships uh, have the Boston Celtics won? Is it 17? Oh. <laughs> Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. <laughs> How many times has Tim in the draw? A oh, hundred. Timmy? Some... That'd be about five, wouldn't it? I think it's four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not counting. Oh, well done, Tim. Good stuff, mate. Willamette Travel, they are getting somebody to the Goldie 500. The draw, well, it's got to be coming at some stage. So you you still got time, though. You can still call us every morning, 0800 150 811. Um, yeah, the regulars start to game the system, mm. but... I tell you what, we love new people in the draw. 0800 150 811 every morning. The NBA Finals are set. The Boston Celtics yesterday finally down the Miami Heat in Game 7 to punch their ticket to another NBA Finals for the storied franchise. The last time they played the Golden State Warriors, there though, Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell were running around. A lot has changed since then, and after a gruelling slogfest with the Heat, will the Celts 
have enough firepower to hang with Steph Curry and the reinvigorated Warriors. Seth Partnow is the NBA analyst for The Athletic, and he's been good for us to, uh, throughout the season, and he's on the line now. How are you, Seth? Doing well. Thanks for having me back. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Yesterday's Game 7 was exhausting. Did you think that Jimmy Butler 3 was dropping to send the Celtics packing after a massive fourth-quarter collapse? Uh, there were, that would have been, there were worries. Mm. The, the takes would have flown had they, had they managed to, to give up what seemed like an insurmountable lead. Mate, there was two different paths that these teams took to get to the NBA finals, wasn't there? I mean, this is sort of a return for the Warriors, mm. um, almost back to their pre Kevin Durant core of, of, you know, built around, uh, uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green with, with, the help from from Clay Thompson and some other other players that they've drafted. I mean, essentially, uh, thinking off the top of my head, the bulk of their contributors are all players they drafted or signed. Hey, Seth, what did you think the Celtics needed to sort out before they went on this run? Um, I think part of it is their defensive scheme is mm. very uh, complicated, relies on a lot of communication, both verbal and nonverbal, and I think it just took them the first couple months of the season to to learn how to communicate and and play with each other so that they can switch and pass off assignments seamlessly and basically since january when they seemed like it clicked for them they've been by a decent margin the best defensive team in the league um and that's really kind of what this 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 2022 run has been built on for them maybe at the start of the season was just the kind of final two uh, teams you were thinking will potentially be there come the end of the year, or you think this is a, a bit of a surprise for the Celtics, particularly to to be there come the end business end. Sorry about that. My son just walked into the room. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> did you did you hear? Um, me? I so I thought yeah, I thought at the start of the year I thought that hmm. at the start of the year I thought that the um the the two teams that were going to be in the finals was a rematch. Actually, I think I thought the. Uh, the Warriors certainly had a chance, but I was expecting Suns Bucks round two. Um, yeah, I think that since since about February, I've been I've been thinking that the Celtics were going to make it, um, and then kind of as the playoffs progressed, I started to doubt. Uh, but uh, I'm not surprised with how the the these two teams ended the season. That these are the two teams we we mm-hmm. ended up with in the finals. Seth, the boys here they're they're uh, they're Golden State Warriors supporters. Um, I'm a I'm an old Larry Bird faithful from the Celtics. What do you, what do you think? Have they got a chance of taking him? You know, is it, is, it, is he a one man show? Can he can he take it to the Warriors, or has the Warriors just got this in the bag? So it's it's interesting because while the Warriors have been sort of more impressive throughout the playoffs, uh, I think all three teams Boston has played are better than all three teams Golden State has played. So it's actually a little bit hard to to really calibrate almost where these two teams are, even over the course of the playoffs. Um, I think based on what we've seen, especially Boston's ability or, or tendency to kind of self-destruct offensively, I think you have to lean Warriors, mm. but I, I'm... Do we lose them? Yeah, it looks like we lost Seth. Oh, apologies, apologies there. I, I cut out for a second. Oh, good. Um, I, I, no, I'm, I'm uncertain. Uh, what to think about this, just because of how different the road these two teams took to get to the finals. Hey, Seth, so we're going to go out for lunch on Friday and we're going to, we're going to sit down and watch the the, uh, the first one. Um, 
What do you reckon? Do you reckon Celtics can get the first game, or do you think Seth Curry's going to just absolutely nail them and, and hit like 18 three-pointers and blow them off the court? <laughs> I think having I think having uh, three full days of rest is going to be very useful for Boston. Uh, just as as you mentioned in the intro, a grueling series with Miami. Uh, they have a number of players who are a little bit banged up. Um, I think honestly, the the biggest factor in Game One is is, is are, are Robert Williams and Marcus Smart going to be close to 100 percent to go? If yes, I really like the Celtics' chances. If no, it becomes a little bit more dicey. Uh, just ask you a question about the playoff schedule, mate. Is it different this year, Seth? Because a lot of guys look exhausted, and we have seemingly seen a lot of banged up bodies. Um, I don't think it's too terribly different than mm. usual. This, the thing is, is this is the because of we went from the the bubble in the twenty twenty playoffs. Uh, the mm. season started with the short off season, uh, but leading into last season, and then the very short off season leading into this season. I think it's it's more just we have basically two calendar years of a ton of basketball for these guys. And I think that's really catching up to everyone. And I can speak for my conversations with people around the league. People are really looking forward to kind of a normal, normal length offseason this summer to really kind of recharge after what has been a, a you know, a marathon of two full seasons and an extra playoff. Mm. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty full noise for sure. Hey, uh, what about Clay Thompson, mate? Do you do you feel like he's back to to where uh, his very best, and he's helped showing signs of of superstardom? Like, yeah, I think when they named the seventy fifth top best players ever in the league, you saw like his disgust with not even being in conversations. Do you feel like he's showing the NBA and people, um, you know, why he's been considered one of the best? Um, I think that offensively, it's mm. it's similar to what we saw before. I, it, it's always tough because metrics aren't as good, but both from an eye test standpoint and from a metric standpoint, uh, his defense is not really where it was prior to yeah. the injuries. Um, and that's, you know, that's both injuries and, you know, age. It's, it's not unusual. Uh, he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Uh, he's maybe an average defender now. And so I think that is a, is a pretty big difference now in terms of where his place is, in history, prior to the injuries, like is he a top seventy-five player? He's certainly, he's certainly been in the conversation. I think mm. I, I would have to actually sit down with the list because he's probably in that group. That's, you know, it's probably three players for the last twenty-five spots, mm. and he would be among those. All right, Seth. Just before we let you go, series, give us a go. Give us a leader, mate. We love having a wee tip on the a wee little go on the on the punt line. So where's the series going? When and who? Oh, yeah, I, oh man, I um, I've I've thus far. This is you guys are getting first prediction. All right, uh, I've been, I've held off thus far, World so I'm going to. Oh, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm I think I'm gonna go Warriors and six. Warriors that's, and six. That's, that, yep. I know that means that I, that means closing out in Boston, but I don't think home court totally matters for either. I think both these teams are fully capable of winning road games as both have shown so I think that the Warriors close it out in game six there you go Louis deflated Louis oh you're not deflated Louis no no I I agree 
You're a Tix fan, aren't you, though? No, no, I just had a bet with a listener, oh. Seth, that, that they would beat, <laughs> for a box of 24 beers, that they would beat Miami. And so, so I'm reveling in my glory today. But I think you're right. I think, I think the Warriors probably, I think the key that you said, Seth, is just the rest. And you're so mm. right about the amount of hoops these guys have played. Then you throw in the Olympics as well. Um, which Jason Tatum did go to, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so it's just the workload that's mm. piled up on the Celtics through that series against Miami and the fresh legs of the Warriors dealing with the Mavs. That could be the difference, couldn't it, Seth? Yeah, I really do think so. Um, it's it, it, not just in the number of games, but the physicality of both the Milwaukee and the Miami series. Um, now Boston does, does like to play that way, but it's still that's a lot of that's a lot of hits that you know they play a pretty short rotation, and so it's a lot of hits that that their guys have taken that you know the 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 Golden State guys have have not over the last month. Hey Seth, quickly we're going to let you go right into about thirty seconds, but before I do it, I'll be gutted if I didn't ask you this. But I'm a Lakers fan, and uh, it's been a horrible couple of years. And do you feel like? What's your take on the Warriors? Can, uh, I mean, the Lakers, can they <laughs> go away, have an off-season, get an, a healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James? Can they come back to, to maybe compete come playoffs and finals? Uh, that, that's longer than you have given me to say. I will say <laughs> I worked with I, I worked with Darvin Ham for a year, and I think that is a, that is an absolutely fantastic coaching hire mm. that they've made. Uh, so, so I think that it's someone who – can can make them run like a real like baseline competent nba team i think that at the very minimum he's someone who can bring that and then it's you know you make the right moves around that you get good luck with health and yeah they're right back where you'd like them to be you got any inkling on on the right moves you got something you can maybe throw on the (laughs) throw us out there um maybe uh, um uh you know maybe maybe putting some defense and shooting around lebron and ad like Mm. that's that's worked before (laughs) why not why not you know why not do the thing that won your championship two years ago um but you know that's that's just me and everybody else talking like you know so all right all right (laughs) mate you haven't really inspired me but that's okay we'll get there well hopefully one day mate thank you so much seth partner is an nba analyst for the athletic we appreciate you as always mate thank you so much absolutely take care guys there you go, Seth Partner. Hey, Izzy, uh, that is so funny because the, I actually read an article this morning saying that they the Lakers are unlikely to trade Russell Westbrook because they don't want to give up any future assets. So mm. the NBA is a funny one, Kempe. You, you'd know about salary caps. And mm. Russell Westbrook is on the worst contract in the league. So next year he's up for about $45 million, and he is probably worth about 6 to 8 so you're paying that's this is Matt Lodge wow. territory right mm. so to get rid of a contract that bad when the player's been in decline that bad what you have to do with these sorts of um, franchise tags and I guess asset management is you would have to attach a really nice asset to that for another team to be inclined mm. to take it on so that's like a, a high first round pick or in the future that's another really nice player and they do have, I think, a 2027 first-round pick that they can get rid of. But if they get rid of that, after they've mortgaged their whole future on Anthony Davis, the Lakers would really be gutted for the next decade. They would have nothing left. This mm. is their last little thing they're hanging on to. So... 
Do you swing for the fences while LeBron's at the tail end of his prime and get rid of the pick to get rid of it, Russell Westbrook? Because, as guys like Seth know, you're not going to win with him. Mm. You can't win with a salary cap suck that bad in a salary cap sport when you're getting about $6 million out of a guy. And this is where the Warriors have fallen with guys like Dallin Watini Zelezniak and Matt Lodge. And that's why when Cam George said the salary cap doesn't worry us, it makes zero sense because we know how salary cap sports 100%. work. So Izzy, not to be too bleak about it, but they really are. They really have a gun to the head with this Westbrook contract, don't they? <sighs> yeah, look, it's yeah, it's a difficult situation. But I just can't get my like Russell Westbrook. You know, only like six years ago, seven years ago, he was like the face of the league, just blowing up on defence, on with the ball in hand, and then he's just gone away. So I'm just thinking, where do you think? Can he get back to his heights, Louis? He can't get back to his heights? Like, you think form is temporary, class is permanent. Like that, but his class was hyper-athleticism, mm. and he's into his 30s now. You think about yourself, Daggy, when you were playing in your mid-20s to when your body started to fit. Yeah, but you figure out ways to be able to have your impact on the game. So he can't shoot. So he can't shoot, so he's horrible. So when you can't shoot and you've <laughs> depended on your athleticism, so these guys, they yeah. transition, and they become maybe 3 and D guys or more shooters. But if you can't, and that's the biggest tool gone, well, then you really are. So we're just... Got no chance for, for a while now, the, the Lakers. They have to trade him if they want to contend. Mm, okay. And can they trade him? Uh, well, that's guys like Seth, that's their jobs to work it out and crunch the numbers, and it, it's looking pretty tough. So just the the six, the 4-2 finals prediction from Seth, Warriors 4-2, tab.co.nz. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's like a bait on a hook in it. It's like a bait on it. It's like you just throwing the line out there for Izzy. Oh, okay, okay. Have a look at that. But the salary cap is really the, the salary cap is really interesting. You're dead right, Louis. You, can, you can't manipulate it. You know what I mean? Mm. You've got to be if you're going to make decisions like what you're talking about. Yeah, we, Westbrook. The, pro- the problem with the Westbrook scenario is that mate, there's more there's more cattle coming on the online all the time. That's mm. right. And they ain't going to be spending the money no. and and missing out on the cattle. Why would you? That's there's exactly no, there's right. no incentive for the other teams, and you've nailed it, Kempi. And it is, it's actually similar to most salary cap sports, um, but this one that the Lakers have got themselves into. They won a championship though in the bubble with mm. the, when they mortgaged everything for their Anthony Davids trade. So, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Lakers fan, I'll ask you, Izzy, was it worth it? Did you feel like that bubble championship is worth the pain you're in now? Uh, it kind of remote, like if you think back, it was like an empty stadium, didn't have the hype. It just feels like the Blues Trans Tasman, you know, you know, Asterix. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, like it. It doesn't really feel like a championship to me. The Lakers win in the I, empty I, I stadium with the. I get it when they were staying at Disneyland all together in one group. Like it just didn't feel the same. I don't know. It was a, a mm. total. It was a time where if you had great team chemistry and you had a strong leader like LeBron yeah. who could get because he was living with his teammates and. So nah, I don't think it, it feels like. Mate, a listen, to, listen to Frankie Panisi when he comes on. Okay, listen to him and just listen to the way he talks about his club and the legacy and how they've built players. To make sure that the salary cap isn't an issue for them. Yeah, it's really, it's honestly the, one of the best interviews I've I've had, and 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 listen to the person when he's talking to say it's all about the people. Uh, I completely agree, Kempi. I learned a hell of a lot. After this, you're going to go off the back fence, and it's inspired by the Frank Panisi chat. Lakers fans, double eight, double three, the Tampa Bay Post text machine, or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Was that championship in Disneyland worth it? And hoops fans. Who are you picking? Warriors, Celts, give us your score prediction. Harrison Marker, double or nothing? Nah, kidding. Send your ultras to 125 the Strammer, boy. <laughs> yes, that's right. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. SCNZ. We're going to talk some golf right now after Monday and another set of results for our elite Kiwi golfers who at the moment are rolling with some serious heat. 
Stephen Alka bagged himself a senior PGA championship and a cool million bucks. How good. And Ryan Fox agonisingly lost out in a playoff after dominating a lot of the final round in Europe. So what's this top-level success doing for our game in New Zealand? Dean Murphy is CEO of Golf New Zealand. He's on the line. Morning, Dino. Morning, Izzy. How you doing? Very, very good, mate. For you, must be an easy job for you at the moment in New Zealand golf, trying to in, uh, entice these commercial partners to New Zealand golf. Well, mate, you've got a bit of tin. If you want to, if you want to invest, we're happy to see you. But I was just thinking in your intro, you're you're quite used to rolling rocks for uh, for millions of bucks. So, uh, mate, it's cool, isn't it? Isn't it awesome to watch these uh, these golfers perform so well and uh, you know do so do so well yesterday you know it's it's been a wee while too we've got those golfers out there doing it on the world stage which is cool mm. man um so much interest in the game here in new zealand and those guys flying the flag so it's yeah it's, it's really cool i guess when when the game is good and and like you said flying the flag and we're getting so much success does that reflect back in new zealand does that kind of uh, you know the pathways and kind of really stamp the mark that you guys are doing a, a great job for the, for the young golfers going through is it is an easy job for you at the moment uh, mate, golf's in a good spot. Um, I never think it's easy. There's always yeah. something around the corner, as, as you know. But, um, you know, golf's in a really cool spot. We've got memberships now around the country at almost a record high level ever in history. We're over 130,000 now, 30% up in the last three years. So wow. so that's going cool. Rounds are, rounds played are about 10% up each month. So there's more people playing golf than ever before. Kids' memberships up 80% in the last three years. Um, mate, there's there's a lot of green lights. Um, everything's going pretty cool, and the clubs around the country are doing an awesome job and and capitalising on this momentum. But you know, when, when people up on the world stage play well, you know, whether it's Lids or mm. Stephen Elker or Ryan or whoever it may be, it just helps us, you know, inspire people. And you know, that's what sport is, right? We're in the inspiration game to try and get kids playing sport, whatever mm. it is, and whatever shape and colour and ball and you know season it is. We're, we're just trying to get kids and New Zealanders participating in golf doing that pretty good at the moment. Hey Dean, just, so so just talking a little bit about that and your high performance pathways, you know, if you get those kids I know out at Criston College for instance on the North Shore they've got that golfing academy for their school kids do you see um, the high performance pathway working? I've just had a look at your uh, your money that you've been given from High Performance New Zealand is it like only $60,000 is that correct? Yeah, we don't um, we don't quite fit the mould there in that high performance. But, sport. but I mean, you are a gold medal sport, in... though, aren't you? You are a gold medal sport. That's right. Yeah, we. Um, I mean, they're, they're helping us where they can, but we're not one of those big investment sports. And you know, they they do a good job to help us around the campaigns. But um, you know, there's not a heap of tin coming into to golf from high performance. Um, I think you know, golf's in this interesting space, like a lot of professional sport, that when people get to the very, very sharp end of it and are winning gold medals or winning major championships or whatever, you know, they are at a, um, usually at a sufficient means because they've been playing on these world tours and, you know, can, can look after themselves. So our investment and most of our time and effort goes into that, that kind of rookie pro and developing amateur kind of phase, you know, when people are getting to that elite amateur and then transition to the rookie pro, that's where the real effort needs to go on just to, you know, we, we have... Um, dozens of world-beating um, young golfers in New Zealand, but getting them to transition up to be world-beating on the world stage is quite a challenge for New Zealand. So mm. that's where 
our time and effort needs to go. You know, when Foxy's up on the world stage um, playing really well and, and winning lots of money and, you know, he, he, he's pretty self-sufficient. But the time when he was an elite amateur heading up to the States to pedal his wares and heading around Europe and, you know, like trying to get onto that stage, that's when we needed to do our work. Mate, if you're if you're able to keep this this fire going and keep the success going forward and not resting on our laurels as many outfits tend to do in, in New Zealand, what, what's some of the things that you're potentially looking forward to? What kind of programs? Where are you targeting to go forward to maybe ensure that we are unearthing the next Steve Alka in ten years' time or something like that? Well, you've still got time for this thing. Hey, I'll tell you, I was two under the other day and then I shot eighty, so I'm no good. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, that sounds a lot like your game. But look, mate, for us, uh, um, putting effort into young people is still the number one thing. Like, we've we've done really well the last two or three years, but the 10 years before that wasn't great. Um, we didn't have heaps of young kids coming into the game. So the, the whole idea is, and it's like any sport, if you get loads and loads of young people interested in playing the sport, then naturally there's um, there's a few of them that pop out the end of the that conveyor belt and pop into the high performance, you know, um, pathway. So, for us, number one thing, getting more kids playing. That's uh, that's where it starts and finishes for us. Hey, Dean, is there something like the big bash coming in golf? Have you thought about a shortened version of golf for the kids that are coming through, just to make it, you know, like a a, a bit more um, entertaining, as in that sort of you know crash and bash type thing that other sports are trying to do. It's really interesting, you know, there's lots of the, the big tours and, you know, with all the superstars playing, continually look at these different formats and shorter formats and yet it keeps reverting back to the, you know, the, the four-day stroke play event, which is, you know, still remains the, the number one thing. Um, there is lots of different things in golf, whether it be long drive or, um, you know, nine-hole golf or six-hole match play shootout. There's all sorts of crazy formats out there, but for some reason none of them seem to stick or gain that much appeal. It's always the the four-day uh, stroke play event that still has that, that pedestal of being the number one thing. All right, looking forward to next year. It's been a few years since we've had a New Zealand golf open, Dino, um, and obviously this year with missing out, we lost those uh, that wonderful wonderful reward that we're offering for the open, top three to head to the open. Going forward, are we are we looking at like any, anything like that's going to be available for these pros to maybe entice them to come play at the New Zealand Open? Yeah, we hope so. We'll find that out um, in a couple of months, but it was gutting to lose that chance this year. We worked so hard to get it in, and then, you know, COVID uh, gave us the red light for that tournament. So we struggled this year, but next year we'll go, I think, three to six March are the dates, and hoping to have those incentives in place. But it's just, tell you what, it's just going to be awesome to run the Open again after a couple of years off, and um, I know Queenstown's pumped to have it back, and Millbrook's looking awesome with their new nine holes, and everything's all set to go. Um, just need to make sure we're COVID free and we can run it next March. So uh, fingers crossed. Nice, Dino. Love golf. We love it, mate. I love it. I'm a fan of, well, it's the most frustrating sport going around, I must <laughs> say. But I'm always going back for more. But appreciate you coming on the show. Dean Murphy, CEO of New Zealand Golf. Catch up soon, mate. Nice one, lads. Cheers. There is Dean Murphy. Um, insightful, is he? Mm. That's pretty cool numbers there when you think about it. Uh, so 130,000 members. 130,000 members, the rounds played up 10%. And yeah. we knew that golf took a massive upswing during COVID. Yeah, gutting to lose the New Zealand Golf Open, but all that expendable income, cars, golf memberships, people return, mem- return people because you wanted to get outside 
And the challenge for Golf New Zealand, how do you keep them? Mm. How can you keep them locked in? So, so exciting to hear those numbers are sticking, Kimpy. Out at Murawai, for instance, that golf club there was struggling a little bit before COVID. Now you can't get on the course. There's a waiting list to, to, mm. to members. And also they run a big tournament out there for the amateurs. Um, you know, those guys do do it tough because they they got to stay in the motor camp. They they bring their vans up, they stay in there a week, and then they go and play in these tournaments to try and try and make it as a pro. So I listen to what Dean's saying. It's just you know the foxies are, are the cream. Mm. You know these blokes underneath it. They they you know, obviously still need a little bit of help. I hear you, Kempi. Uh, and it sounds like that's where Golf New Zealand's focus is at as well because those top people they can look after themselves, and that's what Dean said. Well, he's one of the sharpest minds in rugby league, and along with Craig Bellamy, has built an empire with the Melbourne Storm that every club can learn from. Frankie Panisi is the general manager of football at the Storm, and he's with us now. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Kepi. How are you, mate? Yeah, really good, mate. Just um, what the question I really want to ask is, like, how are you guys? How do you think you guys are travelling this year, the Storm? It's been an interesting year, Kepi. I mean, obviously, we've... Uh started really well. We had some big scores there for a while and then uh, we had a bit of mishap with two weeks on the road up at Queensland where uh, we, you know, our depth was tested. Not, I suppose that was one area we always thought this year was going to be a challenge. We probably, whilst we think we've got a pretty strong 17 or so players, uh, the depth's not quite as strong as it has been the last few years and uh, we were tested early and, and tested against two very good teams in Penrith and Cowboys and we came up short. Yeah, look, that you know, sitting one in the top three teams with you guys, um, both Penrith and the Cowboys. I suppose that's a good thing, Frank, to know that the uh, the recruitment isn't where it should be. What's your plans um, to sort of sort that out? Oh, I don't think we're on our own, Kempi. I think the last two years uh, that the game's taken a hit because of there's been uh, very little or no football played underneath the NRL. We're talking about the state cup competition, and as you know better than, than myself, uh, Kempi. You, you can train these young blokes as much as you like. So, you know, as, as well as losing players that are on the fringe and uh, or, you know, a couple of our players that are lost and the next man comes up. A, a lot of the players just haven't played much football the last two years. I mean, uh, and and that's that's the best way you learn. Yes, you can train and, and spend hours in, in the gym and hours on the video, but ultimately it's on the playing field where you get better. And, and we've got a lot of those young blokes, as do all, a lot of clubs, uh, that they haven't played the last few years. And we, we just start to see... A bit of a, a bit of a lull in that development years, and as I said, we're, we're no different to any other team. There's, there's teams um, if you get a few injuries, and probably illness with COVID and the influenza has been the biggest uh, uh, mm. challenge this year. And, and when that bites into your squad, you, you really feel it more than than other years. Yeah, it's a that's a really good insight, Frank. It's um, you're dead right. I suppose a lot of the clubs, especially the ones at the bottom, are starting to feel it when they're getting those injuries um, to key players in their side. Also, with Melbourne next year, you're going to be losing a few of your big-name players. How's that going to affect the club? Yeah, look, I mean, it's uh, when you lose players like the Bromwich brothers and, and, and Felice Cafusi, not only is losing um, very good players, losing leadership and experience. So, um, you know, we've put uh, a lot of work in our leadership program and, and our players and our spine, that being Ryan Pappenhaus and Jerome Hughes, uh, Harry Grant, uh, they're going to be our next leaders, and so we're putting a bit of work in them as leaders. Um, you know, uh, Stephen Kearney, as well as being our assistant coach, runs our leadership program, and both with the senior leaders and, and the new players coming up. So, from a leadership point of view, I, I think we're doing some real good good things there. In terms of uh, replacing those players, obviously 
that's pretty difficult in terms of the experience and who they're replacing. But yeah, we've recruited a couple of players. Uh, Tarek Sins was signed, give us a bit of experience, and we've signed young Joe Chan from the Super League from the Catalans, his father Alex. Yeah, uh, you know well that played with us here and many years ago. He's uh, he's already probably played thirty to forty Super League games, so he's going to come over. And we've got a couple of other young forwards coming through now. A young Trent Lariros having an outstanding year coming off the bench, uh, and there's a couple of others. So we're going to replace them with some youth, but also, as I said, with Tarek Sims, and probably on the lookout for one more experienced forward just to give us that uh, that experience that we need. But other than that, we've got a pretty stable team next year, and obviously got a a pretty good spine. Yeah, and and made some good good old names there, Alex, and of course Mooks. You might make sure you tell Mooks to throw his his, his hat back in the ring for the Kiwis job. I think he should be the Kiwi coach <laughs> currently, Frankie. So you make sure you let him know that, mate. Just just tell us this. You know, everyone in New Zealand hears hears about the Melbourne Storm and. I uh, always talk about you, Frank, and, and, and the big part that you've played down there in the club and, and keeping it um, ticking over. What's the secret, mate? What's what, what are you, What's your recipe for success? Oh, good people, Kepi. We've got some, been really lucky that uh, got some good people in key positions in the club. Um, you know, obviously, you know, playing players are important, but got a terrific staff. And a staff we've kept together for a number of years, so I think stability in the staff and and the assistant coaches got I don't know Craig, he's got some I mentioned Stephen Kearney, but he's got some people like Mark Brettmore who's been here basically all his life at the storm with when his father started here in the in the early days. Ryan Hinchcliffe, of course he mm-hmm. played here as a life member, he's doing a great job assistant coach. Um, Aaron Bellamy, Craig's son, he's again been here a long time and got a great performance them. So I think the people are, are really important and, and also the stability. We're probably the last five or six years we've had very little change in our and our staff, and that's important when you lose players a lot each year, as all clubs do. So to have that stability off the field is really important. Um, you know, I enjoy my role with Craig. We've been together now 15 years. and You know, I see my role as trying to take as much pressure off Craig uh, as possible. He focuses purely on the upcoming game, and and uh, and I worry about everything else. So take that pressure off him. I think there's, the role of a head coach these days is getting bigger and bigger. So, um, yeah, but ultimately their job is to win games on the weekend. So, if I can let him allow him to spend more time on the weekend, uh, and I'll worry about everything else. That, that in a nutshell, is probably how we operate, Kevin. Yeah, and and too right, mate. That relationship between you and Belly Acres, mate, one of the one of the best I've seen in the competition for a number of years. Frankie, hey, he signed on again, Belly Ake. Um, so, and I'm not too sure if I've worked out whether he's going to coach for one year and then step into an executive role as a as a coaching director or, or into some sort of support role with you. What's the future structure look like for you both? Yeah, look, with, with Craig, I just, I think, you know, the arrangement that's been arranged with him and the club just speaks volume of how the club values him and, but more importantly, he's earned that as well. So it's a, at, at last year, he signed a five-year deal where it's a year-to-year rolling in terms of being the head coach, but he's... Um, Whenever he's had enough of being head coach, he'll go into what's called a coaching director role. So, and that's a role still to be worked out. I and mean, when he decides to go into that role, we'll probably look at the nitty gritty of how that role will work and how he'll, he and I will work in that as well. But look, he, he's just uh, going to take a year at a time. And um, and the way he's coaching at the moment, I, I I can really see him going again in twelve months' time. But there's a long time between now and another twelve months. But he, he's coaching his best as I've ever seen. He's enjoying it. I think he's enjoying the challenge of the turnover of players every year. I mean, 
you know, he went through the uh, big three leaving. I think there was a lot of mm. commentary in the, in the game of how we were going to handle that. And, you know, we've, he's, he's done really well with that. And now, obviously, as you said before, Kempi, we're going to lose some key forwards next year. And, you know, Brandon Smith's another one we're going to lose. So that's another challenge. But he, he seems to thrive on those challenges. So, uh, as I said, it wouldn't be surprised, surprise me at all if he decides in 12 months that, you know what, I'll go another year in 24. But we've got him for 2023. So uh, we'll enjoy every, every moment. And when that day comes that he says, I've had enough of being head coach, we'll, we'll sit down and work out the next role for him. Yeah, look, you talk about losing the big three immortals in the own right, Cam Smith, Billy Slade and Cooper Cronk. What about the replacements, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, a Kiwi and, and, and Munster? <laughs> talk about development, talk about your club and, and how right you've got it. Mate, can you just, just let us know, because Jerome, for me, is a really interesting signing for you guys and the amount of, I guess support and and faith you've shown in signing Jerome long-term. What has the Kiwi game done for Melbourne? Um, not only in the past, but what does it do for your, your club moving forward? Oh, it's been an enormous part of this club, Kempi. I mean, from day one, as you said, I mean, you know, we had Kawira Nikau and Stephen Kearney were spoken about and you know, Richard Swain. There's all, this club's always had a very strong association with, with the New Zealand game and, you know, um, you know, we've got the Bromwich brothers and Brandon Smith and, and, and Jerome Hughes. So it, it's, it's you know, and as you know, in Melbourne, there, there is a strong uh, New Zealand expatriates here living in New Zealand. And um, and, and it's just something that we've you know, really enjoyed. And, and I can see going forward as well, you know, with um, getting more Kiwis coming in. So, but, you know, talking about Jerome Hughes, he's, he's been, a, been a phenomenal uh, player for us over the last few years. The way he's developed into a halfback and, now, he came to us as a fullback. We could play a little bit of five eight, but he was predominantly a fullback. But um, you know, he's changed the way you know halfbacks are played. It's completely different to how Cooper Conk played as a halfback. We know how he was. Um, you know, he's, he's a genuine old fashioned running halfback, but he does a lot of things that uh, you know people don't see. You know, we didn't we we didn't have him for two games there against Penrith and uh, mm. the Cowboys, and, and his defence is something that just doesn't get spoken about. And, uh, yeah, we really missed him and that, plus his organisational skills. And and I, I mentioned earlier in this call uh, that the area that he's really improved in, you know, Stephen Kearney, has got to take a big pat in the back for this is his leadership. And, you know, when, when Jess Bromwich goes off the field, you know, Jerome becomes our captain. And, um, you know, I, I can see him captain the, the Kiwis sooner rather than later. He's got very strong leadership. He's highly regarded by his peers and, and, and the coaches. And, um, you know, there's... There's no reason why I couldn't captain our club, whether it's next year or you know after that. That's um, mate. That's great news to think that you'd be following in the footsteps of Cam Smith and and even Mark Graham and and having someone like Mooks um, leading that leadership program is so good to hear. My my final question before I let you go, Frank. You know, and we're going through a torrid time here in New Zealand with the Warriors. You know, we we actually yesterday morning didn't talk about them on the radio because giving them all the airtime for the wrong reasons. Would you and Ballyate consider coming over here and running football for the Warriors? Oh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've been, I think I can speak for Grace behalf, and I'm the same. This this will be, you know, how long we stay in the game, I'm not too sure, but this will be our, our last hooray. Uh, but if you ever decide, if you know, probably going back years now, be one club you'd like to, you know, as I said, we've got a real affiliation with, with New Zealand. I just think it'd be a fantastic, uh, it's got the potential to be, you know, a, a big club. But I've really felt from the last years, I mean, we went through the relocation ourselves 
um, it, it was tough. So, and they've done it a lot worse than we have. They basically since early 2020 have been on the road. So, I, I think it'll be a fantastic when they get playing again um, in New Zealand. But more importantly, I think it's fantastic when they get back based in in Auckland and and what they had before. And I think it's the potential is enormous. And I hope you know that the NRL uh, look after them with uh, not just their home games next year, but get some more content in New Zealand next year. I just think the game needs it. I think you know we've had a real two years of or three years now really of, of no rugby league in New Zealand so we need to get as much rugby league back in the country I know they've got a test match coming up soon but you know I think uh, I think everyone in the game is very supportive of more rugby league over the next few years in, in, in New Zealand Here, here, we all hear you down here Frankie and uh Look, if I ever get to run the, the game over here, if it's for the Southern Bears or even get called back into the Warriors, you'd be the first by God call and say, come back and give us a hand, brother, because you know what you're doing. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Frank. Say hi to all the boys over there, the Bromwich boys, Jerome, uh, Brandon, Mooks, uh, all the Kiwi boys that are enjoying your club. And uh, go well, mate. You guys are going really well. I've, I've still got you guys as a favourite to share. Never never fail. Melbourne always there at the end. Good, Campion. I'm looking actually... We're going to be coming over to New Zealand. Um, it's the first time we're over there since 2019, and I think uh, I think it's July or mid-July we're coming over, and uh, looking forward to it because uh, you know we always enjoy playing over in over in NZ, and um, we've got a good following there, and just uh, a lot of our players enjoy game because they've got that many family so uh, and friends. So it's yeah, that's one thing, one game on our calendar we're very much looking forward to. Thanks a lot, Frankie. Take care. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.